This is the Capital Literature Podcast, bringing you investment letters and audio. The Capital Literature Podcast is a SEBITS capital service for the investment community. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. All rights belong to the respective owners. Artco Capital, 4th Quarter, 2021 February 16, 2022 Dear Partner For the 4th calendar quarter of 2021, an average partnership interest in Artco Capital LP was down 3.4% net of fees. At the same time, investments in the most comparable market indexes, Russell 2000, Russell Microcap, and the S&P 500, were up 2.1%, down 2.7%, and up 8.6%, respectively. For the calendar year of 2021, an average partnership interest in Artco Capital LP was up 19.4% net of fees. At the same time, investments in the aforementioned market indexes were up 14.8%, 19.3%, and 28.7%, respectively. Our detailed results and related footnotes are available in the table at the end of this letter. Our results this year came from HireQuest, Acorn Energy, Northern Technologies, The Shift Group, and our hedges, while a pullback-in guide attracted from the overall performance. We share our outlook and full portfolio review for 2021 in the sections below. Artco LP Net. 1Q21 30.9%. 2Q21 half a percent. 3Q21 minus 6.1%. 4Q21 minus 3.4%. 1-year 19.4%. 3-year 15.1%. 5-year 6.6%. Inception 7 172,015 91.0%. Inception annualized 10.5%. The case for microcaps. Quote. Value investing isn't dead, simply hasn't yet been resurrected. End of quote. From Stacy Fikes. We are currently living in very unprecedented precedented times. While the slow decline in small cap and technology markets in the second half of 2021 and the acceleration in the first weeks of 2022 may seem scary and novel for anyone that has gotten used to easy money, everyone is a genius, market attitude, these sort of economic regime adjustments are nothing new. We wrote to you in 1Q 2021 that we felt the central bank policy attitude toward the beginning of a high inflationary environment as one of transitory was one of willful ignorance. We felt there would be a high price to pay down the line for uncorking an economic monster, one that is incredibly hard to put away once the psychological attitudes of inflationary expectations have set in. In the late 90s, as inflation surged from around tilde 1% close to 4%, the Federal Reserve spent the summer of 1999 to the summer of 2000 raising the discount rate from 5.0% to 6.5%. While this helped tame inflation, it also essentially popped the dot-com bubble and along with the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, drove the overall market down over 40% in the subsequent two years. By the end of 3Q 2002, the two-year returns for the Russell 2000 reached almost minus 30%. The returns for the index in the following two years were over 70%. These were mostly psychological time period adjustments, where people began to realize that maybe the new economy based on hype was not all it was cracked up to be and maybe there was something to the whole investing in companies with consistently growing revenues and actual profits thing. Much like our quote above, value investing was again resurrected. As we speak, while inflation is consistently reaching high single digits, to levels not seen in 40 years, the Fed, while signaling rate increases, is still, astonishingly, making quantitative easing asset purchases. A few weeks ago, 
The Russell 2000 was down 23% from its mid-2021 high. While the expectation of rate increases has been somewhat priced in, we believe the psychological impact of what this means for asset prices has certainly not been. This past weekend, the Super Bowl was littered with high-priced advertisements for crypto exchanges and products and was eerily reminiscent of the January 2000 Super Bowl, where fully 20% of the ads were by dot-com firms. The pain has not set in yet. Additionally, we strongly believe that while signaling three to four rate hikes, the Federal Reserve, which has painted itself into a corner, will likely be forced to do seven or eight hikes, including a few surprise mid-meeting ones. This is likely to create more market shocks and lead to more psychologically painful adjustments in the most speculative corners of the market, where higher quality small caps will also not be immune, despite strong fundamentals. In short, our expectations for the price performance of our portfolio is one of volatility in 2022, where despite our best efforts on being invested in high-quality growing companies, there is a chance where our baby may be thrown out with the bathwater in the short term. But not everything is the same. Unlike the aforementioned dot-com bubble period, we are not expecting a recession. In fact, despite a minus 9% price return in the second half of 2021, our companies have delivered incredible results, with a median portfolio revenue growth of 38% for the last reported quarter. So, while currently having a few of our portfolio companies report 100% plus revenue growth numbers met with barely a yawn in the market is an incredibly frustrating, we understand economic regime changes and psychological adjustments for market participants take time. Our portfolio's long-term performance has been characterized by years of up and down to flat, 2015, 2017-2018, performance, followed by a bigger return period, 2016, 2019. While of course, we cannot predict our future return performance, we are increasingly fundamentals focused, and operate under the assumption that in the intermediate to long term, the price performance will catch up to the fundamentals performance. We believe that once the interest rate hike adjustments begin to take hold in the minds of market participants, our portfolio companies and their associated growing revenues, profits, and cash flows, at reasonable to incredibly cheap prices, will once again become interesting to market participants looking to invest in companies with cash flows that rise above inflationary rates. To share some portfolio statistics for nine companies which represent approximately 92% of our portfolio. Our median slash average market cap is a $140 million slash $293 million. These numbers include our investment in the shift group, which has grown from $280 million to $1.5 billion during our holding period, and, excluding this success story, both our median and average are at $118 million. These numbers compare to $210 million slash $754 million for the Russell Microcap Index, our closest comparable index, and represent our continued commitment to offer you an investment product in securities that, for the most part, are unable to be included in an index due to their size or liquidity constraints. Our median slash average portfolio's net cash balance is 7% slash 18% of the market cap representing our commitment to strong balance sheets. Our median slash average insider holding is 23.5% slash 26.5% at over $20 milio of what we call insider value at risk, which we believe is an important metric where we feel we are co-invested alongside our management teams and have shared incentives and risk tolerances. Our median growth expectations for our company's EBITDA slash cash flows for the next three years are 85% slash 75% and our median valuations for 2022F slash EBITDA and price to cash flows are 9.5x slash 11.5x for 2022 which moved to 6.1x slash 7.1x and 5.1x slash 5.8x for 2023-2024. 
For a lot of our companies such as Research Solutions, Currency Exchange International, and Northern Technologies these are functions of having what we consider hidden segments becoming a much bigger and more significant part of the overall growth. For others such as Potbelly, Acorn Energy, HeartQuest, The Shift Group, and Guy this growth is more of a function of beginning to see the effect of substantial operating leverage on their fixed cost basis. For the other 7% of the portfolio, we are currently in the process of adding to a new position which we are excited to share with you in the next letter, as well as using three smaller positions in U.S. Ecology Warrants, Ecol, Flowtech, FTK, and Recropharma, REPH, as sources of cash going forward. We do not expect the high inflation economic environment to abate in the near term, and we believe it will take some time for the Fed policy decisions to filter through the economy and the minds of participants as well as for the supply bottleneck side to clear itself out. While we have a few companies that have faced difficulties in the face of these challenges in the near term, we believe their competitive position slash product offerings are durable enough to be able to withstand the shocks and to thrive in this environment. In short, to our frustrations, while we continue to expect near-term price challenges in the micro and nano-cap pockets of the equity market, we are confident in the long-term success of our companies which we excitedly share with you below in our portfolio review section. As a final word, in 2021, we utilized several hedging strategies, from outright shorting of ARC funds, to put options on Russell 2000 ETFs which have contributed approximately 2.5% to our 2021 performance. We will continue to access the effectiveness of such strategies on an ongoing basis in 2022, though we believe increased market volatility has made most portfolio insurance products too expensive in the near term to hedge our portfolio effectively and, as of the writing of this letter, we do not have any as part of our portfolio. Portfolio Review Currency Exchange International, CURN 11% of Portfolio, $8.08 Cost Basis Slash $10.50 Current Price Currency Exchange International continues to be our most bullish investment. We made our investment in the currency exchange management company at the bottom of the COVID-19 pandemic panic selling, at around $8, or $48 million market cap, in 2020 when the company had almost $12 per share or $70 million, in net cash. However, despite establishing a significant margin of safety, this was always more than a reopening play or a so-called deep value investment. In 2019, pre-pandemic, the company had $42 million in revenues, $41 million in gross profit, and $6 million in cash flow, managing retail currency exchange kiosks throughout the US and Canada in its banknote segment. Notably, none of the kiosks were in airport locations as the company's founder and CEO, Randolph Pinna, has strict capital allocation discipline, and considered those locations leasing expenses too high for the needed return on capital. The pandemic hit in 2020 and the company reported $25 million in revenues and a $6 million loss showing substantial operating leverage, which can certainly work against you on the way down, inherent in the business. Since then, the company has made substantial moves to transform itself into a very different business model than it was in 2019. As we saw, this is a very high fixed cost business, and Mr. Pinna has had to make some hard choices, taking $10 million off the fixed cost base, in the form of hard lease renegotiations, layoffs, and closures of locations. The results of these actions were seen in 2021 as the company had break-even profitability on $30 million in revenues. At the same time, the company's biggest competitor, Travelx, declared bankruptcy and completely left the domestic market, leaving Kern as essentially the sole, somewhat monopolistic, provider of currency exchange in the United States. Opportunistically, the company franchised a substantial number of Travelx locations, including five at JFK Airport, 
avoiding the aforementioned high fixed-cost leasing investment, but continuing to scale its own fixed-cost base with high 90% gross profit franchise revenues. In 2021, through its subsidiary, Exchange Bank of Canada, EBC, Kern has been approved to participate in the Federal Reserve's Foreign Bank International Cash Services, FIX, program. Through the FIX program, EBC will receive access to the Federal Reserve's International Cash Services, ICS, program. In other words, it will be able to source currency directly from the Fed and we anticipate it will result in savings of over $1 million through the cost of goods sold line. These developments are fairly exciting on their own, if Kern was just a banknote processing company, currently with 35 retail branches and growing, where it is set up nicely for post-COVID travel rebound and growth. However, the real reason we are excited about this investment is the growth of the payments segment which in 2019 had almost non-existent revenues. Through the payments segment, the company developed KFX, its proprietary, customizable web-based software, which it believes represents an important competitive advantage, as a cutting-edge currency exchange software and an online compliance and risk management tool. While it has taken the company a few years to get the product right, in 2020 the segment had $3.4 million in revenues, which grew 117% in 2021 to $7.4 million, with the quarter ending October 31, 2021 growing 93% to an $8.3 million revenue run rate. This was done through the EBC subsidiary which transacted with 699 corporate customers in 2021. Notably, in 2022 the company is expected to completely integrate into the Jack Henry operating system software increasing its potential customer base by a further 1,100. With other operating system integrations still in the works, including the industry leader, Fiserv, we believe Kern's payment segment has a substantial runway to continue its high growth and to become bigger than the banknote segment. A few quarters ago we wrote to you about having a vision on our companies that extends beyond near-term profitability and revenue growth numbers and focusing on the possibilities that are often missed by the market. We have found the market to completely miss the opportunity set currently embedded in the company given all the aforementioned factors, despite reporting a 102% revenue growth in the most recent reported quarter. We believe by the 2024-2025 time period, with the return of the banknote revenues to higher than pre-COVID levels of $40 to $45 million and continued growth in payments revenues to $15 million to $25 million, the company can achieve a revenue run rate of between $60 million to $70 million. While we do not expect the cost base to stay at $30 million, as we mentioned this is a substantial operating leverage opportunity, and we expect this $60 million market cap slash $10 million enterprise value company to generate $15-$20 million in free cash flow within the next 24-36 to 36 months. What kind of valuation multiple do you assign to those numbers, with high double-digit revenue growth and ROICs, with a monopolistic competitive position, and a high operating profitability? Even at 15x free cash flow, we expect this to be a $50 stock, though we believe this number could be substantially higher than that once the market begins to recognize the true earning potential of this business. Research Solutions, RSSS. 11% of portfolio, $1.80 cost basis slash $2.20 current price. Our investment in research solutions, originally at sub $1 in 2017, though with substantial additions over the years our cost basis has drifted higher, is another frustrating example of the stock price moving in the opposite direction of fundamentals. As a reminder, Research Solutions is in the business of providing access to a wide range of academic white papers, of which there are over 70 million in the world and growing, through its transaction segment to corporate and academic customers. 
This is not a sexy business but a mostly steady $26 million revenue slash $6 million gross margin business that has remained flat since our original investment. The main reason we got into this investment is because of its platform segment, a product that allows the user to aggregate all the relevant information in a manageable snapshot. In other words, it is the Bloomberg Terminal slash CoStar Seat slash Lexus Nexus subscription but for the scientific community. This segment has grown at a 30% plus CAGR since we have invested in the company, from sub-50 platform deployments to 650 in the most recent reported quarter, with a $6.8 million annual recurring revenue, ARR, based at almost a 100% renewal rate. This is a segment that produces mid-80s gross margins and we expect to continue to drive growth for the company for the foreseeable future. 2021 was an exciting year for the company from substantial growth in platform deployments, at almost 200 net additions to drive a 36% increase in ARR, to hiring a highly qualified CEO, Roy Oliver, in whom we have substantial confidence. Mr. Oliver, who has significant experience driving next-stage growth in emerging SaaS companies and selling them, wasted no time in outlining a strategy to increase the ARR growth to over 50% over the next three years to $20 million, via expanded product offerings such as the academic markets, geographic expansion and expecting to add revenue through a non-dilutive acquisition. More importantly, the company seems to have overcome the problem plaguing it over the years, low Salesforce productivity, guiding from mid-80s gross profit margin, from 70% to 80%, going forward on increased confidence in the Salesforce's ability to drive revenues. The company expects to double its Salesforce over the next two quarters. Finally, During the most recent earnings call on February 10th, the company announced a signing of a 300-platform seat corporate customer, expected to be onboarded over a longer period. This leads us to our problem, despite all of the growth and an announcement of an almost 50% subscription growth deal, the stock has essentially been flat over the last year and is down almost 40% from its all-time high two years ago. There is a substantial disconnect, not unlike in many of our micro-cap holdings, between the trading and deal multiples of its larger public and private comps, at almost 50%, including a recent, very comparable private deal, at 20x forward revenues. We tend to view the $60 million market cap slash $50 million enterprise value company through a sum of the parts valuation analysis, with the transaction segment $6 million gross profit slash $5 million EBIT valuation at a roughly $20 to $25 million valuation given its no growth but predictable cash flow generating profile. This leaves the implied $25 million valuation for the platform's business at close to 3.5x forward revenues and 1.25x revenues on its estimated $20 million 2024 base. While the near term is frustrating, we expect the market to appreciate the larger SaaS revenue base, the high double-digit organic growth, and recurring revenue nature of the business and bid up the company to at least the median trading multiples of its peers. Our near-term price target for the company is close to $5 with a three-year price target at $10.00 plus as the company ARR continues to expand and it begins to generate double-digit millions operating profitability which has 20-30x comparable multiples. Acorn Energy, ACFN. 11% of portfolio, 30 cents cost basis slash $0.60 current price. Much like research solutions, What originally attracted us to Acorn Energy and its only segment Omnimatrix is the very consistent and recurring revenue, ARR, nature of its base business, providing monitoring solutions for a customer base that is over 30,000 owners of backup electric generators, including 25 of Fortune 500 companies, which tend to fail when needed most. This is a low, $10 a month service, 
With a 95% renewal rate and as such almost every additional dollar of hardware sales adds to the high 80s gross margin ARR base of over $4.0 million. Since we first invested in the stock in 2018, the company has delivered on its promise to grow revenues 20% annually and to reach segment profitability and holding company break-even levels. While 2022 is still expected to be another tilde 20% growth year, it will be one that will be led by growth in hardware rather than in monitoring revenue, as a 3G sunsetting is expected to result in a higher than historical average churn of customer base, and a somewhat increased competitive environment to pick up those customers from Generac. We believe that Omnimatrix has an established competitive position with its dealer network that receives a cut of the monthly revenue, versus a one-time payment from the competition. The introduction of a new generation of products and continued expansion into other markets should also drive increased hardware sales into 2022, for a combined $8.7 million revenue. While we have done well, at over a 100% return in this investment, including 60% plus in 2021, we believe there is substantial room for further triple-digit returns. While the company has a tiny market capitalization at $23 million, $21 million enterprise value, it is in a red-hot Internet of Things, IoT, space where revenue multiples for similar companies range from 3x to 7x. We believe reaching the $10 million revenue number would be an important milestone over the next 24 months, where the holding company should also generate $2 million plus in cash flow, including a completely unnecessary $1 million in public company expense. We anticipate that at the higher revenue levels the company, that has no business being public, though with $70 million in nulls, should be able to sell itself at the $1.20 to $1.50 range at mid-single-digit revenue multiple-slash-free cash flow yield numbers and this continues to be our expectation. Gaia, GAIA. 9% of portfolio, $6.50 cost basis-slash-$7.25 current price. Our investment in Gaia has been our longest and most patient holding, that we have held in size since the launch of our partnership almost seven years ago in 2015. The stock has gone from sub $5 per share in 2016 to over $20 in 2018 to below $6 in 2019 to $15 in 2021. We had the opportunity to take substantial profits in 2018 and added lower prices since then, so our IRR is quite a bit higher than our current price-to-cost basis suggests. Nevertheless, the stock price performance has been extremely disappointing over the last few years, especially in light of continued substantial fundamental improvements in the company business model. As a reminder, Gaia is a streaming service with close to 900,000 subscribers, relative to 22,000 when we first invested in 2015, as the fanbase grew for the niche documentary, spiritual, and yoga content provided by the service. The $140 million market capitalization, $130 million enterprise value, company is expected to have over $90 million in revenues in 2022, with an EBITDA over $25 million and close to $10 million in free cash flow. This should be on a continued trend of tilde 20% compound annual growth rate, CAGR, in revenues, as well as achieving positive free cash flow profitability. Nevertheless, the stock price remains essentially flat since our investment, which has certainly led to some soul-searching in this past year, and we had a fairly intense meeting with management at the end of 2021, their first in-person meeting with a shareholder in two years. One of the tough questions we must ask ourselves in management is is there a thesis drift? The thesis question asks if a streaming service with a substantial total addressable market, TAM, in the millions, but still with a high TAM burn-through rate, will be sustainable in the long term? There are a few reasons for us to believe that the answer is a resounding yes, 
including a churn rate that appears to have stabilized at below the industry averages, per Amazon Prime reported statistics, a now predictable pattern of returning customers that is not unlike the industry's leader Netflix, a continued expansion in the TAM with substantial investment in content and foreign language capabilities, the success of annual subscription plans, and increased customer loyalty and content through the return of wildly popular conferences at the company headquarters. The streaming content market seems to have cooled off from its hot 2017 to 2019 overexcitement period. Streaming startups demanding unrealistic acquisition multiples back then are now desperate to sell their content and subscribers substantially below their per-hour cost of content investment. Thus, we believe the next 12 to 18 months will present a unique opportunity for the CEO and founder Jirka Rasabi, with 100s of acquisitions under his belt, to be opportunistic and add substantial unique content to the Gaia library at cheap prices. In late December 2021, the company announced the acquisition of Yoga International's 4,000 hours of content which we believe is the beginning of a substantial trend over the next year or two. Thus, while we are disappointed with the market's non-reaction to the company's continued growth in revenues, subscribers, and profitability, we continue to have confidence in the management's ability to execute on long-term goals, of reaching over 1 million subscribers, attaining technological and economic sustainability, and growing the business at the historical 20% rate, though with the expectation that 2022 may not be on trend. With the belief that the market will begin to focus on companies with sustainably growing profits, we expect the company's stock to eventually achieve a $1.30 plus per share valuation in the intermediate term on low double-digit EBITDA multiple slash mid-single-digit revenue multiples. HireQuest, HQI. 18.5% of portfolio, $5.50 cost basis slash $19.00 current price. We have discussed our investment in HireQuest substantially in the past letters, however, our excitement over this opportunity does not seem to abate. We cannot think of being better positioned from a macroeconomic perspective, than being invested in an experienced staffing franchiser when the United States is experiencing some of the tightest labor markets seen historically, with a labor force participation at tilde 62%, versus a more normalized 64%, an unemployment rate of 4%, and 2021 wage inflation of close to 5% which we do not anticipate to abate in the near term. We love simple business models, with strong balance sheets, large opportunity sets, and incentivized managements with HQI fitting all those checkboxes. The model is simple, buy, or open organically, a staffing branch, turn it into a franchise location, for a fee, and turn, the formerly an employee, branch manager into an entrepreneur-slash-owner with substantial incentives to grow revenues from which HQI collects 6% to 8%. 6.2% for first nine months of 2021, on a relatively fixed cost base. The branch managers, likely for the first time in their lives, have an opportunity to earn six-figure salaries, while HQI provides a trusted brand name, legal operational support, and more importantly, cheap, due to volume, workman's compensation insurance, are ecstatic. To review 2021, at year-end 2020, the company had system-wide sales of slightly over $200 million, with 139 branch locations. By September 2021, the system-wide sales run rate was close to $400 million, $99.5 million in 3Q 2021, via substantial organic growth through the aforementioned macro factors, four completed acquisitions for a net 64, immediately franchised, branches for $30 million, with an additional $4 million one on 10-1, an additional four acquisitions announced since 3Q 2021. Through the acquisitions, the company continues to expand its vertical markets to trucking, dental, and even executive search. 
All this translated into a 3Q 2021 103% revenue growth at a $26 million annual run rate on a $12 million annualized fixed cost base for a whopping 53% operating income slash free cash flow margin today. However, we do not expect any of this to abate anytime soon. Through the macro environment and continued acquisition we anticipate the company to have system-wide sales base of over $500 million in 2022 alone with the potential to generate over $35 million in revenues and $20 million in free cash flow while continuing to use the profits to grow its branch network through the buy-to-convert to franchise business model. While we are mindful of the cyclical and the high operating leverage nature of the business, in the intermediate term we continue to see substantial tailwinds which should drive revenues in the $50 million to $60 million range and operating profitability to over $30 million. While the company has generated over a 300% return for us, including 90% in 2021, we continue to believe the shares are incredibly undervalued here at $19 per share, $255 million market cap, and assigning a high teens multiple slash mid single digit free cash flow yield to near term profitability estimates results in a $45 per share price target. However, we anticipate big things from the impressive CEO, and close to 50% owner, Richard Hermans, and have a vision for a value creation opportunity that may result in a stock price many more multiples from today. Shift Group, SHYF. 8.5% of portfolio, $9.50 cost basis slash $43.00 current price. Shift Group continued to be the resounding winner in our partnerships history, rising 73% in 2021, over 400% in our cost basis, and over 500% from our initial investment at $8 in mid-2017. It is our biggest holding by market capitalization at $1.5 billion, though of course at just $280 million when we first invested in the company. As a reminder Shife designs, engineers, manufactures, and services purpose-built specialty vehicles and chassis through its fleet vehicles and service, FVS, segment for companies like UPS and Amazon and the specialty vehicles, SV, segment which helps to build bodies for commercial trucks, RV homes, and construction vehicles. The company continued to deliver in 2021, with third quarter revenue growth of 34% and 42% on the first nine months of 2021 and raised its year-end guidance from $925 million to $950 million as well as its EBITDA slash EPS numbers to $109 million slash $1.99 from $105 million slash $1.85. These are incredible numbers considering in 2017 the company had less than $30 million in EBITDA and $0.46 cents in EPS. With the leadership of their impressive CEO, Daryl Adams, the company has transformed itself by divesting its loss-making emergency vehicle segment, substantially improving operations through Daryl's manufacturing expertise, and executing on four relatively small tuck-in acquisitions, while writing the incredible 12% organic CAGR demand for major career fleets driven by the replacement cycle and a 10% CAGR in U.S. package volume. While the company's stock price appreciated through its substantial growth and profitability, of course, it also benefited from multiple expansions from mid-single-digit EBITDA multiples to low to mid-teens today. As always, after a run-up like this, we like to make sure that the thesis is still intact. We believe that while the current inflationary pressures are important, the company is capable of managing them while continuing to ride the demand for FVS which we do not see abating, as well as introducing electric vehicle products for all sizes of class of commercial vehicles. We do not believe that the company's 2025 targets of $1.75 billion in revenue and $265 million in EBITDA, i.e. 25% CAGR, 
are overly aggressive as the company continues to gain operating leverage and, keeping the current forward multiples in the current low teens, should result in another doubling of the stock to $90 per share. After taking consistent profits from this position over the years, we are comfortable with the current weighting in the portfolio and look forward to seeing Mr. Adams continue to execute as he has impressively done in the past. Northern Technologies, NTIC. 8% of portfolio, $8.80 cost basis slash $13.00 current price. Northern Technologies has been another wild ride for us in 2021, returning close to 40%, though down 35% from its 2021 peak, participating in the aforementioned small-cap market pullback in the second half of 2021. As a reminder this $120 million market, $100 million enterprise value, chemical producer has two flagship chemical products which it sells in 60 countries globally, Xerust, which is a corrosion inhibitor for a wide variety of industrial segments including automotive and energy, and Nature Tech which is market-leading compostable bioplastics compound. The company has a repeatable consumables-based business model, a strong balance sheet with $20 million in company-slash-joint venture cash, and $50 million combined networking capital, and an incentivized management team with insiders owning 16% of the company. In a somewhat similar business model to HireQuest, what attracted us to Ntik was its franchise-like joint venture structure, with 18 international JVs, which collect 7% of the revenues and 50% of the dividends which average out to be approximately 11% of the JVs' revenues. Due to accounting treatments of JVs and their significant size to the company's overall business model, the accounting treatment tends to misstate the overall profitability of the company on a margin basis and usually requires adjustments to understand the true economic earning power of its business. Globally, the company's fiscal year 2021 $177.5 million system-wide sales, on an over $4 billion TAM, grew 32% with continued strong recovery from the 2020 pandemic-induced low base levels. First quarter 2022, last calendar quarter of 2021, net revenues grew 42%. Additionally, the company purchased the remaining 50% in its India JV for $6.3 million which will now be recognized on a consolidated basis. We continued to see progress with wider acceptance of nature tech, with first quarter sales growing 47% too. $3.8 million, out of $18 million quarterly net sales, the company's highest ever quarterly sales for this product. We are encouraged by the continued acceptance of compostable bioplastics in society as well as growth in the customer base and expect to see substantial growth in this product segment in the near future as it remains the key to our thesis. The company faced major headwinds in late 2021 as the inflationary pressures hit the cost of goods sold expenses in the form of increased raw materials and labor expenses, increasing from 65% to 69% as a percent of revenues. The company is confident it will be able to control inflationary pressures and pass on the price increases, however, we anticipate the stock may be in a timeout for a few quarters until it is clear that these factors are under control. In general, we are not big fans of cyclical business models, but we are fans of hidden segment opportunities, not unlike our investments in Research Solutions or Currency Exchange International, whose size potential is usually underestimated by the sleepy microcap market crowd until it's right in your face. We believe the company may be able to earn peak cycle earnings slash cash flow of over $2 per share in the next 24 months, which should lead to a $25 to $30 price target. We believe we are appropriately sized at 8% of the portfolio, however, should a more panic sell-off present itself, we would gladly add to our position at sub $10 per share price levels. U.S. Ecology 1023 $58.67 warrants, Ecol. 6% of portfolio, 
$4.50 cost basis slash $4.50 current price. We have had a wild ride over the last three years in holding the warrants from NRC Group, a specialty waste management company, which was later acquired by a bigger specialty waste management competitor, U.S. Ecology. As a result of the acquisition, our warrants converted into warrants of U.S. Ecology with the same expiration date. We have liked the U.S. Ecology business, though unfortunately as the COVID scare hit the world in 2020, the business took a sharp downswing and never recovered to the levels we were originally expecting. The stock continued to get battered, along with the small cap indexes, to below $30 per share, and on February 9, 2022, Republic Services announced the acquisition of U.S. Ecology at $48 per share. While this acquisition is significantly below the strike price, and a higher, but unlikely to be above $58.67, bid may yet emerge, we exited a big part of the position soon after the announcement at an average price of $5.20. One of the reasons we were attracted to the warrants in the first place is because they had to make whole provision precisely for these types of events, an acquisition below the strike price, prior to expiration. This should result in a $4 to $5 price for the rest of our position at deal close, though we may continue to exit in the market if the liquidity is there. While the end result is disappointing, and we are never happy with dead money for the amount of time and effort, we were happy to put an end to this chapter and begin to deploy the cash to new opportunities. Potbelly, PDEE. 6% of portfolio, $3.70 cost basis slash $5.80 current price. Potbelly had close to a 30% return for us in 2021, though much like our other small caps, dropped 38% from its mid-2021 high. The $160 million market cap company continues to be in the midst of turnaround from distressed 2020 levels with the addition of an experienced CEO, Bob Wright, formerly the COO at Wendy's, where he had substantial success driving top-line and profitability improvements at over 6,000 locations. We believe he has done an admirable job thus far, driving same-store sales to above 2019 levels, including 4.5% in 3Q2021 achieving 10% shop-level profitability and company-wide break-evens all while facing substantial inflationary headwinds in labor and input costs as well as a serious lag from the Chicago Business District segment. This turnaround has not been without cost to shareholders with a 22% increase in shares outstanding and a continued burn in cash, leaving the prospects of additional capital raises very much on the table. Taking a bigger step back, however, our original thesis of significant value creation through changing the mix of the company from substantially all company-owned locations, to a more of a franchiser, more consistent with Mr. Wright's background at Wendy's, is very much back on track. While of course, we would have liked to see more progress on the thesis in 2021, we believe stabilizing the company and positioning it for lucrative franchise sales, and operating leverage-based free cash flow generation was a more urgent priority. We believe that at mid-teen level percentage shop level profitability the company will begin to leverage its fixed administrative cost structure to achieve double-digit millions free cash flows in the near term. Further out, even a modest sale of existing locations to franchisees and layering unit growth through franchise sales should continue to create a consistent and high cash flow generating business model that should be valued closer to its franchise or competitors such as McDonald's and Wendy's at high teens EBITDA multiples resulting at an over $20 price target. These may be pie-in-the-sky upside potentials, however, as this was always more of an enhanced portfolio, high-risk-reward ratios, investment we believe it is currently appropriately sized within our portfolio. We are excited to continue to monitor Mr. Wright's progress and an announcement of a multi-year strategic plan in 2022. Other, Flowtech slash Recropharma, FTK slash Ref. 
tilde 3% of portfolio. We continued to hold de minimis investments as a percent of portfolio in shares of Flowtech and Recropharma in 2021, where both companies in which we realized substantial returns on our initial investments in 2019 and 2020 but where our remaining positions experienced the dreaded microcap roundtrip. While we are keeping an eye on emerging theses for the companies, they are mostly still part of the portfolio for tax loss management reasons. We anticipate these positions to be a source of cash in 2022 for new investments and to offset long-term capital gains. Core Portfolio Sales Global Indemnity Group, GBLI We sold our approximately 6.5% position in Global Indemnity Group in the fourth quarter of 2021 at approximately $26 per share, and with the dividends that we received since our investment, walked away with a less than 1% loss. Our investment thesis in this 0.5x book value, $320 million market cap insurer, was predicated on the management using the $250 million it was able to release from its insurance subsidiary to the holding company to return capital to the shareholders. However, the company continued to stonewall its investors by delaying its investor day a number of times, refusing to answer valid questions from shareholders on its extensive arms-length relationships with its sponsors, and the associated fees paid to them and upon finally holding the investor day in the fall of 2021 sharing a completely unfeasible, and what we believe to be value-destructive, strategic plan. The investor day was our event where we were hoping the company would unlock substantial value for the shareholders and since, instead, we confirmed our suspicions of a shareholder-unfriendly management team, it was an easy decision to sell and to deploy capital to a more lucrative opportunity. Partnership Updates We welcomed one new partner to the partnership this quarter, bringing our total to 47 at the end of December. As we are not having an in-person partnership event in 2021 we will end up having a virtual portfolio update presentation in mid to late March. Please be on the lookout for an invitation in your email inboxes sometime in the next few days. Despite the current economic challenges, we are excited about the continued growth in partners and recovery in assets under management and, as always, are thankful for your business. Next fund opening. Our next partnership openings will be March 1, 2021. Please reach out for updated offering documents and presentations at info at artcocapital.com or 415-531-2699. Peter Rabover